So six years ago, we had just moved to Red Bluff and all five of our kids were involved in some type of sport or played an instrument and I was driving from one practice or game to another. And this is still my life. I was talking, texting my neighbor who's actually here today and I was telling her um, that you're just an Uber driver without the pay. So that's me, that's my life. <laughs> and sometimes people will wave at me and I'm just on a mission and I'm not even like paying attention so please don't take that personal. <laughs> Uh, while I was waiting for one of my kids to finish up with one of their practices, I ran into another mom, and we started talking and getting to know each other and sharing our stories. She let me know that her family and her also changed school districts around the same time, and they didn't know very many people in the area. She was interested in why our family uh, moved from Wisconsin. Hello? Okay. From Wisconsin to California because um, that was kind of like the talk of the town, I guess. <laughs> Such a, I love small towns. That's why we're here. <laughs> everybody knows everybody, and everybody knows something about you. <laughs> so I told her that my husband and I are pastors and that we moved here to work in this church. As she was sharing details about her life, she also mentioned that her family was interested in finding a church. Is this too loud? Okay. Um, I could see where this conversation was going, yet I didn't even think about inviting her to church. Even though the conversation was so easy and it seemed really natural, and I could see how God was lining up the whole entire conversation, I was still hesitant to invite her. Has anyone ever experienced this before? It's just crazy. You just see how God is lining it up, and you're still afraid of rejection, I guess. <laughs> Um, so, um, sorry, um, yeah, this happens to me all the time, I'm getting better, I'm trying to get better and be more confident and comfortable in taking those risks, sometimes it's just intimidating what people are going to think of you, you think as we get older we wouldn't care, <laughs> if you've mastered that, talk to me please, <laughs> So I was, as I was talking to this woman, it was obvious that God wanted me to invite her and her family to church. So I finally worked up the courage to ask them to come. As time passed, Luke and I started inviting this family to our house uh, for meals and other gatherings together, and we started to build this relationship with them. And the most common thing that we built a relationship with them was spending time around a table. We were eating food together getting to know one another. After a while, we became closer, and we, um, and we were even there for them during some challenging times in their lives, or if things were happening with their kids, they come to us and ask for advice or just for prayer. Through my conversations around the table, just us communicating with them around the table. Over the, over the course of many meals, one of, um, our, one of the family members even decided to get baptized here one Sunday, and she started growing in her relationship with God, and it was a beautiful thing, all because of a conversation that we had during practice. <laughs> so if there's one thing about being a pastor, a friend, or a follower of Jesus, it's this. I've learned that food matters. The power of eating a meal together nudges us to prioritize our time together and offer hospitality to our family, our friends, and our neighbors. 
So good morning, everyone. My name is Don Garrett again. I'm going to take a sip of water. <laughs> I think I drank too much coffee, so now my mouth is all dry. Oops. Um, so Luke, like I said before, Luke does a lot of the teaching up here. And if you know me, I am way more comfortable in the behind the scenes <laughs> and doing everything. So I haven't spoken up here in a while, um, but I am excited to share this message with you this morning. So thank you for joining us again. So for the past six weeks, we've been in a sermon series called A Meal with Jesus. We've talked about how Jesus did a lot of ministry and a lot of his teachings around a dinner table and how Jesus shared meals with people in order to help them discover grace, experience the power of relationship and, and community, how to find hope, and encounter God's mission. For Jesus, meals were more than just the opportunities to eat food. Meals were a place for people to experience love and truth. Throughout our marriage, Luke and I have experienced a lot of great things. We've sat with people eating and drinking and sharing our life together. It's around tables that we not only share food, but we share grace, we share our stories, and we share our interests. In fact, this is how we met our, our new children's director, Carissa. Uh, Luke and I met her a few times. They, it always seemed to be they were eating tacos, which everyone knows that <laughs> Luke loves tacos, but Carissa does too, so they have that in common. It's hilarious, that's all they talk about. Um, like even after staff meetings, Luke will be like, who wants to get tacos? And Chris is like, I'm there. And all of us are like, we're going to go home and eat something else. <laughs> I just like other food categories, I guess. I grew up in uh, Detroit, near Detroit, so there's a lot of Italian food, which I miss a lot. Um, so after we spent time with her family, uh, after one time of eating tacos, I told Luke... And this is hilarious because um, Alicia, our previous children's director, was transitioning out, and we were really praying about who was going to take over the kids. And I, after we had lunch with Carissa and her kids, and I think Doug was there, I told Luke, I said, oh, my gosh, she is just amazing. Like, she loves kids so much. She loves families. She wants to teach people how, or parents how to pray with their kids. And just her whole story was is just it was just encouraging, and I said she'd be an awesome kids um, director. And uh, so a few days after that, Luke had been talking with Carissa over tacos, <laughs> and um, and he came home and he's like, "Don, I think she should lead our kids ministry." I'm like. I just said it like a week ago. Uh, any married couple in here would agree with me that, that that is probably selective hearing because they we don't always listen. I'm saying we don't always listen to each other. Um, so anyways, uh, we decided to have her whole family over again for tacos. This is hilarious. <laughs> and um, her and Derek and the kids. And we ended up asking Carissa to pray about joining our team and becoming our children's director which she sensed that God was already leading her to do at some point. Um, and now she's doing a great job. We have a lot of new families with kids. Um, we Our ch kids' ministry is growing and developing, and we're really excited about it. Last week, I was back there with Shannon, um, Shannon Miller and Chris, and it like we probably had like 45 kids. We ran out of paint supplies, and 
it was it was a good chaos. Okay, it was it was amazing. Um, so I would encourage anyone to really get plugged in back there. If you haven't tried to be back there, like just just try it. Um, Chris is always looking for new help. So um, in the midst of that, I really felt like the Lord organized all those um, meals with Carissa. And that is where we were able to get to know her, and she was able to get to know us. And it's just crazy how God works and how his plan just unfolds. It's unbelievable. So all that is to say is that food matters and meals matter. And the past month's sermons have been really good for us to see how often Jesus loved on people and formed relationships with people while they were eating. This morning I'm sharing the last sermon in our series, and we're going to look at what might, um, what might be called the um, crescendo moment of the Gospel of Luke. Today's passage of scripture is the culmination of all that we've been looking at and all the previous stories of Jesus' meals led us to the most important meal that Jesus had, and it's a meal where he instituted communion, and that's what we call the Lord's Supper. So we'll be reading a passage of scripture today, and we'll spend a little bit of time talking and thinking about how this applies to us in our culture. Today's passage is Luke 22, 7 through 20. And the passage will be up there. Now the festival of unleavened bread um, has arrived. When the Passover lamb is sacrificed, Jesus sent Peter and John ahead and said, Go and prepare the Passover meal so we can eat it together. Where do you want us to prepare it, they asked him. He replied, As soon as you enter Jerusalem, a man carrying a pitcher of water water will meet you. Follow him. At the house he enters, say to the owner, the teacher asks, where is the guest room where I can eat the Passover meal with my disciples? He will take you upstairs to a large room that is already set up. That is where you should prepare our meal. They went off to the city, and they found everything just as Jesus had said, and they prepared the Passover meal there. When the time came, Jesus and the apostles sat down together at the table. Jesus said, I have been very eager to eat this Passover meal with you before my suffering begins. For I tell you now that I won't eat this meal again until the meaning is fulfilled to the kingdom of God. Then he took a cup of wine and gave thanks to God for it. Then he said, take this and share it amongst yourselves. For I will not drink wine again until the kingdom of God has come. He took some bread and gave thanks to God for it. Then he broke it into pieces and gave it to his disciples, saying, This is my body, which is given to you. Do this in remembrance of me. After supper, he took another cup of wine and said, This cup is the new covenant between God and his people, an agreement confirmed with my my blood, which is poured out as a sacrifice to you. So if you consider the vineyard your home church, you'll know that we really do value communion, which is why we celebrate it every single Sunday. We believe as we've received the bread of cup that we are able to be reminded of God's love for us, to experience God's grace for us, and to recenter our lives on the sacrifice of what Jesus did for us. God intended this communion to be a part of active worship. 
Now, as with most things, what God intends for good, we often misuse. <laughs> Just, um, you know, we're humans. We misuse it, we misunderstand it, or we ignore it. I think that it's true that meal, with this is meals as well. As some in society have become healthier and more of aware of our relationship with food, it becomes um, clear that people often have a dysfunctional relationship with food. Because we're too concerned about our image, or sometimes we even use food as a refuge or an escape, where food becomes our comfort, I'm speaking to myself too, okay? <laughs> Even though Jesus says that John, in John 14 that the Holy Spirit is supposed to be our comforter, not food. This is why Jesus' meals are so important, for they are ways for us to experience redemption and hope. If you have a healthy relationship with food, we see that meals are a way to both express and discover aspects of Jesus' kingdom. And perhaps the greatest of all of Jesus' meals was the one that he had his disciples um, on the night before he was crucified. And that was what we call communion. So for a few minutes, I'd like to just share what I believe that sharing a meal with other people is uh, why it's so important based on what we can learn from the Lord's Supper or communion. So let's talk about it. Here are three reasons why Jesus used a meal to communicate salvation. Some questions you might ask yourself when we're talking about this is, why does Jesus use a meal with bread and wine to communicate the work of salvation? What does a meal help us understand? Number one, the meal is an act of remembrance. Jesus said, do this in remembrance of me. It seems like it's really easy to forget how faithful God really is. How many of us have forgot how faithful God really is? In times of trouble, he is always with us. He's always walking alongside of us. I'm sure that everyone can think of a situation in your life where God protected you, he was walking alongside of you. You didn't know where it was going, but you saw how faithful God is. Maybe after the situation. He's faithful. This is why the communion meal matters so much. When we celebrate communion, we are often reminded about God's faithfulness to us and his love for us. It's common to share memories um, when we're having meals for instance, I grew up in Michigan, and um, whenever I do go back there to visit my grandpa, um, there is this Italian restaurant that I absolutely love, and I will just go get, there's breadsticks and this amazing dipping sauce that uh, you just can't find it anywhere else. Um, but this is something that my family always had to do. We always did it on the weekends. We went there and ate our Italian meals. Um, I grew up on Italian food, and Luke grew up on Asian food, so our meals are very sporadic all over the map. <laughs> um, but anyways, growing up, we ate at this place quite a bit, and all the memories of my childhood come back, they come rushing back as soon as I pull into that parking lot to get the breadsticks and the <laughs> dipping sauce. Uh, so again, the meal is an act of remembrance. Number two, the meal is an act of community. 
When the Apostle Paul writes to the church in the city of Corinth, he states the following, 1 Corinthians 10, 17. And though we are many, we eat from one loaf of bread, showing that we are one body. Though there are hundreds of people who call the vineyard their home church, we are one body, one church, and celebrating communion brings us together and unites us with Jesus. And number three, the meal is an act of spiritual formation. Have you ever stopped to wonder, when we're taking communion, what's happening with us? What's happening to your mind and your soul, your relationship with God? Every week we gather, we sing, we pray, we read the Bible, we receive communion together, but what is happening inside of us? We do those things to worship God, but what happens to us as we experience God's presence? Paul writes in 1 Corinthians eleven twenty six, Every time you eat this bread and drink this cup, you are announcing... <clears throat> I don't talk very much, <laughs> so my, you said my talk a lot, even last week with the kids, I'm like, I lost my voice. <laughs> I'm actually very quiet. Um, that's why I have a um, um, very encouraging, outspoken <laughs> husband. He talks a lot for me. Um, okay, where was I? Sorry. Um, I'll start. In 1 Corinthians 10, 16, that's when we receive communion. We participate in the presence of Jesus. In other words, when we receive the bread and the cup, we are being shaped and formed into the image of Jesus, becoming more like, more like Christ because we are being reminded of Jesus and what he came to serve us. Jesus was um, sacrificial and he was loving. He came to extend grace mercy, and salvation. You and I are becoming more like Jesus when we participate in the acts of worship. It's just an ongoing process. We're never going to make it <laughs> until we're with him again. And here's the thing. It's the moments of crisis where the habits that we've learned begin to kick in. I remember when the car fire started here. Was that three years ago? Yeah? Um, it was unbelievable. Um, I mean, people from all over the world were uh, listening and reading about the car fire. And I remember when it started getting out of control. Someone from the community called Luke, my husband, early the next morning. It was really early. And she asked Luke, she said, um, what can our church community do for these people who are getting evacuated? It's not far from us. What can we do? Um, I consider this person a hero in my eyes. She learned at some point in her life how to help others in need and acted on it. Before we knew it, our church building turned into a place for people and pets to sleep. We had dogs in our service a couple Sundays in a row and people sleeping. That's Luke's office over there. I encourage no one to go in there because he has tons of things in there. But that room was... Um, we had cots set up and people and pets were sleeping in there. They were able to get free home-cooked meals three to four times a day. It was a place for food and household get goods. People came from all over just to get it. Um, 
It was a warehouse. This church turned into a distribution center. Every classroom was full of stuff, and it was beautiful because our whole community came when there was a need, there was a crisis, and we acted on it. It was beautiful. In fact, there were quite a few families that started attending our gatherings because they experienced um, helping other people in need. We had people around the clock in this building serving others and praying for them around the clock. I have never experienced anything like that before. And there was another situation, too, um, Friday. Let's see. I think it was this whole week has been crazy. I think everyone feels that way. Um, I think it was Friday night. I got a phone call from Derek, and that's Carissa's husband. She's our new kids director. She got into an accident, a car accident, with her two little kids. And, and the first thing he does when he calls me and he says, Carissa got into a car accident, she's not going to make it to church on Sunday. And I'm like, what? Why are you calling me and telling me that? Like, like that is like, doesn't even matter, you know? Like, okay, is she okay? Is, are the kids okay? Is the car okay? Like, how are you doing? And, um, and she's okay. The kids are okay. Um, her car, she like preaches that Subarus are what um, kept her safe and sound. And the other driver, his car is totally totaled, but they're all okay. They um, got checked out at Enloe and they're fine. Um, but anyways, there was a crisis. And what I did was I, I text all of our leaders. I said, I don't even know who's teaching on Sunday in the back with kids. Like, we got to hurry up and get everything. And as soon as I started saying that, all these people were like, I've got it. I'll go in the nursery. I'm better with teens, but I'll go in the nursery. Like, just everyone came along together and did it. So it was pretty amazing. And it shows how much people love Carissa and Derek, too. So keep them in your prayers. Um, as well as, I mean, there's so many needs, like all week we've been, I'm sure a lot of people have been getting text messages, just health, um, discouragement, or figuring out, like, what does God want us to do in this situation? Um, just, you know, we just need to keep each other accountable and praying for one another. That's huge on my, on my radar. Um, anyways, but in conclusion... In a moment, we're going to be receiving communion together. On the same night when Jesus celebrated this meal with his disciples, he also washed their feet, demonstrating once again that he came to serve. Not to be served, but to serve. Let's try to imagine for a moment, just imagine with me, what would it be like if Jesus came into a room where you were at and asked to wash your feet? Um, honestly, I think it would be so humbling, maybe even feeling of, I would feel unworthy, like, why are you washing my feet? Oh my gosh. Um, maybe you would just feel awkward. I don't want anybody touching my feet. I don't know what, what your thoughts would be. But after Jesus washed his disciples' feet, he encouraged them to go and wash others' feet. Our celebration of communion flows out of the context of servanthood. Jesus came to serve, and the biggest way that he served was by going to the cross for us, and communion reminds us of his death. So while we don't live in a culture that requires foot washing, the concept of serving is still appropriate. And, the one, and one of the simplest ways that we can serve others is by inviting people to share meals with us, share meals together, 
So if you could just all stand with me. Here at the Vineyard, we invite all who follow Jesus to receive communion together. Just as Jesus celebrated the Last Supper with his friends, we now remember Jesus' death together as a community of friends. If you are new to our church, or maybe even new to learning about Jesus, and aren't sure if you are welcome to receive communion with us, We'd love to welcome you to experience God's grace. If you didn't receive your communion little packet, they're right up here on all three tables. So feel free to come up. It's okay. No one's going to judge you. Um, we are just thankful that you're here with us. Um, I always forget my cup when I'm sitting over there too. So just come up, grab one, go back to your seat. And... Um, yeah, in 1 Corinthians, the Apostle Paul states, For I pass on to you what I received from the Lord himself. On the night when he was betrayed, the Lord Jesus took some bread and gave thanks to God for it. Then he broke it into pieces and said, This is my body, which is given to you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he took the cup of wine after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant between God and his people. An agreement confirmed with my blood. Do this in remembrance of me as often as you drink it. For every time you eat this bread and drink this cup, you are announcing the Lord's death until he comes again. So as we hold up the bread, and what you do is you just... Grab one of these and then pull it back. It's so awkward when you're holding a microphone. Uh, pull the first layer back. As we hold up the bread, let us give thanks for the death of Jesus and receive God's grace. Let's eat the bread. And as we hold up the cup, we give God thanks for the new covenant of grace and mercy. Let's receive this cup. And if you could just join me in prayer. And um, I'm also going to invite um, Melanie and the band back up too. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I just pray for each person that's here today. I pray for whatever circumstance they are going through, Lord, right now. I pray that you would bring peace. Lord, you, um, you, you served us and serve us all the time. And you provide for us and you're always there for us. Lord, and we thank you for that. I thank you that you are present in every single life. And I pray that we would uh, just continue to transform and that you would just speak to us, Lord, and how we, can, um, how we can better serve our community, better um, serve our families, 
in our church, Lord, our neighbors. I pray that you would just bless this time and that you would speak to us, Lord, as we, as we worship you again, Lord. In your holy name, amen.